Sunday morning, reaching towards the afternoon, and me bopping in my ACU. Hold up, both cups. Show no shame in Jesus' name, man. When I say hold that shame, I mean hold that shame up high. I mean high. Let everybody see it. Because they already see it even though you try to hide it. And then they got an opinion about it. But God saw the inside of all that and still let you in the door. Do you realize what that is you're walking in? That's the forgiveness. That's that favor that only comes from the one true God. So, come as you are. The doors of the church are open. This is Church with a Double Cup. And I'm none other than your brother XL Wilbur reporting to you live from your side. And I'm just grateful that you joined me again this week. And for those of you who are joining for the first time, this is the Bible Study Podcast that questions God. How bold is that? And before you run off, let me explain. When it comes to reading the Word of God, it doesn't always make sense to us from the beginning. So, what we do on this show is we ask questions. We take a chapter a week from the Bible, break it down verse by verse, and we ask questions in between and put word on top of word to put together the puzzle of what God is really saying to us and learning God's nature at the same time. So, with that being said, thank you once again, my humblest gratitude that you hear. And like with every great Bible study, let's start with a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for today's journey. Thank you for getting us to this point where we can come together and break, break open your word. Help me to rightly divide. Help the Holy Spirit give me what I need in order to put out the words that you want heard. So I thank you, God, that we put word on top of word here. Thank you for this platform, this forum, this community. In the name of Jesus, we're grateful. Amen. And this week we have 1 Kings chapter 19, and this will be the last in our November series, Times When God Said No. But we're going to talk about the story of the prophet Elijah. And it's actually the easiest read out of all the ones I've done this month in the November series. Yet and still, it tells a, God, a, time, a time when God says no, and it made it for the betterment of the person that he told no to. So, <laughs> so it's like really an easy, it's the easiest read out of all of them. It's very easy to follow. There are some questions in between, and I'm going to come from the New International Version. And if I go to a different version to further push the point for you newcomers, I will definitely let you guys know. Verse 1 says, now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So I'm going to be as courteous as I can because I have to understand that there are people listening to this who don't know who these people are. <laughs> They've never heard the story of Elijah. We got a lot of new believers on here. We got a lot of people who've been in church and grew up with the Bible but never heard this story. So they don't really know who these people are. Let me give you some context. And to do the diligence, we have to go back to chapter 18 to tell you what it's actually talking about in this first verse of 19. So. First off, we got Elijah, a prophet, and a prophet is a messenger of God. Messengers of God, these prophets were basically sent to tell the people, God is merciful enough to have you turn back to him because you've turned your back to him. So this is going to happen to you if you don't. But he's giving you another chance to come back to him. So either get right or get left is <laughs> basically the message that these prophets were responsible for delivering to the public. <laughs> so when you look at it like this, I'm going to put a little more context on this one in particular because Elijah had to deal with King Ahab. And King Ahab in the Bible, it says that he did more evil in the eyes of God than any king prior to him. So this guy had some real weight on him, had a reputation. Not only that, his wife had the reputation. His wife Jezebel, she had a reputation for ordering the killing of the prophets of God. So yeah. They had some real hate in their blood for the messengers of God. So Elijah coming with this message, yeah, he had some real pressure on them to have to deal with these type of people, these type of people of authority. Oh, yeah. And this came after Elijah came back to the surface from hiding. God sent him into hiding for a few years 
And he popped back up on the service, met with King Ahab and said, hey, King Ahab, I need you to do this for me. Get all the people of Israel, your prophets of Baal and Asherah, your local gods, those prophets, meet me up on Mount Carmel. So he came straight out of hiding to issue a challenge for the Bible numbers them at 850 because it said 400 from one and 450 from another. 850 prophets between the prophets of Baal and Asherah, the local gods, versus Elijah. So. When they got up on Mount Carmel, the contest was this. Both had a sacrifice. The prophets of Baal and Asherah, they were hollering, yelling, screaming, praying to their gods to send something to burn the sacrifice. They were cutting themselves open. That was their practices. They were cutting themselves open. People were bleeding like crazy. And <laughs> I can laugh about this because Elijah did too. It says it right there in the Bible. Look at chapter 18. When it comes down to it, Elijah said, hey, maybe y'all should yell a little loud. Maybe your God is asleep. Maybe he's thinking. Maybe it's on vacation. <laughs> and it literally says that in the word. And it's basically Elijah making fun of it because he knows it's not going to come to pass. He said God's been too good to him. And he's shown himself so much in his life and took care of him all the day. That's a whole other story we talk about. But at the same time, the showdown in Mount Carmel, when it was Elijah's turn, not only did he say, hold up, let me go on and get mine in. Nothing happened for those other prophets. Nothing happened to their sacrifice at all. That whole time they were doing it, they said they did it like a, do it a lot of the, a couple hours. Nothing happened. Elijah's time came up. He said, "Throw water on it." What? So the last thing you want to do to something you would want to burn is wet it. <laughs> and so he said, "Throw water on it." Throw water on it. They threw water on the sacrifice until it was puddles around it. And then he prayed. God did what? Struck it. <laughs> Burned the thing up till it soaked up the water that was surrounding it. Yes, Lord. And then you got to know, the people of Israel was like, oh, that's the one. That's the one true God. I mean, I, I knew it the whole time, man. Me and God go way back. You know, it was some people out there that was just like that. So after this showdown and after God showed himself through burning the sacrifice, Elijah ordered all the prophets of Baal and Asherah killed right there. And that's exactly what went down. This is the report that King Ahab is delivering to his wife Jezebel in verse 1 of chapter 19. So as we go to verse 2, it says, So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. So she's basically like, man, if I'm lying, I'm dying. If you ain't going to be dead just like them prophets you killed. Verse 3 says, Elijah was afraid. And ran for his life. Now, even though God had just showed himself through burning the sacrifice and everything he did to provide for Elijah in those years of hiding, Elijah was still human. I can't knock him for this. <laughs> he was afraid and he ran. Somebody tell you they're going to kill you and you know they, what they did to the other prophets, the people that had the same job as you? Yeah. I would be human enough to get out the way too. So it says he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. Now, that's something I wanted to tell you about. When I was studying this whole story of Elijah, it was like, he always tried to leave somebody. He stayed trying to leave somebody. In 2 Kings 2, 1 through 6, it talked about how he was like his successor, Elisha, who we're going to talk about later, when he kept trying to leave him, when he was getting ready to take off. He was like, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and said, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? 
Yes, I know, Elisha replied. So be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho (laughs) the second time. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied. So be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here. The Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. (laughs) Third time. He kept trying to leave me. And Elisha said, No, I'm rolling. So the two of them walked on. So in turn, it, was it because he wanted to protect his counterpart or was it because he needed that alone time? Both of these situations were different. He was getting ready to be taken up and he knew, and they, and he knew it. But at the same time, the situation we're talking about in 19, he was on the run for his life and he was still trying to leave his servant. So it could have been either one of those when I asked that question, why was he always trying to leave somebody? So it could have been either one of those things. He was trying to spare them from any collateral damage or being collateral damage because he was the marked man and he was moving himself farther away, being the target. Or it was because he didn't want them to experience the heartbreak of being taken away right in front of them. They know he was leaving anyway, but he didn't want them to experience it firsthand. Could have been either of those things. But here we don't deal with theory. We deal with sound scripture. It doesn't really explain it. So we go with what the word tells us. And it could be either of those things. But we do know that he was always trying to leave his servants behind. And here he did this, that. And then verse 4 says, While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And this part got me because I'm like, why did he bring up his ancestors now? Why he bring his ancestors into it? And it probably was one of those notions where he was thinking, I'm a sinner just like they were sinners. I am no better. Just take me out. I'm not special. And he started downplaying himself. So when you look at verse 5, it says, Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank, then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. Now, a second time, if I'm depressed, as Elijah probably was, the last thing I'm thinking about is eating. I probably wouldn't even have an appetite at all. I'd be like, man, leave me alone. <laughs> Being human, a lot of us probably like, man, we, I'm not feeling it. Leave me alone. And this angel keeps poking you, telling you, get up and eat, and you're forcing yourself to eat. I'm sure he had to be forcing himself to eat because anybody who's been under some pressure know that you lose your appetite. <laughs> you don't feel like eating. He said, eat because you got a journey coming up. And... In turn, us being human, if we would have said, leave me alone, if he would have been human, he would have tapped into that human side and said, leave me alone, angel. Guess what? He would in turn miss out on what happens next. So stick with me. Verse 8 says, so he got up, ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights till he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. So I'm thinking to myself, what kind of wonder bread (laughs) is this this angel gave him? Could two meals fuel you up for a 40-day, 40-night journey? Now, that's God's provision if I've ever seen it. <laughs> and that's a clear example that when God breaks bread, he breaks bread. Can you see what I'm saying? It's like, it's right there in the word. So when you look at verse 9, it says, There he went into a cave and spent the night, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? I know Elijah had to be like, wait, 
didn't you send an angel to tell me to come here? <laughs> but at the same time, no, it doesn't necessarily say it in scripture that that's where the angel told him to go. Elijah could have very well been on his way there after going through all. He's like, man, I need to go see God. But that's a long way <laughs> to that mountain of God. So the angel came to him, said he, all he said was, all the angel said, I ain't going to put a gender on it. All the angel said was, eat because the journey is too much for you. So he was telling them, the journey too, I know you got a journey and you got to eat. Yet and still, I feel like that was one of them things when he, where he asked Elijah when he got there, what are you doing here? He was basically saying, state your business. A lot of times God just want to talk. He just want to hear from us. And we feel like beating around the bush and trying to figure it out on our own. God just said, when, he, when you come to him, state your business. Tell me what you want to know. Tell me what it is you require of me. He said, make your request known unto God in Philippians 4, 6. Man, make your request known unto God. Make them known. He knows all, but at the same time, he wants to hear from you. And a lot of times, when I speak stuff out and talk to God about it, I get a bigger revelation than I ever could just sitting there thinking in my own head. Now, in verse 10, it says, he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, tore down your altars, and put prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out, stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now, I want us to imagine something. If we consider a black cat crossing our path as bad luck, just imagine for a second what God passing by can do. Just passing by. He didn't say he was going to sit there, kick up his heels and talk. He said he was going to pass by. Just imagine what that can do. Then verse 11 continues, Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. So I had to ask God, why be so extra? Why the theatrics of nature? You said you were going to pass by. He was going to see you. Why the extra stuff if you're not going to be in it? And I was thinking to myself, was it to show that Elijah saw chaos around him and was dealing with chaos mentally, but God is in the calm moments? Was that the message? But then I remember something coming, and it was in confirmation, because the queen talked to me about, she asked me a, a very, very important question. She said, have you ever, how often do you sit in quiet and let God talk to you? And I was embarrassed to say, I don't. That's, and, and I'm like, wow, I really need to look at how I am spiritually walking. They say, this is a, it's a, it's an experience we learn every day. It's a relationship. And he's, she's like, yeah, because a lot of times we just verbally throw up on God instead of sitting there listening to what he has to say. And I realized I hadn't done that in a very long time. So, wow. Longer than I would like to believe. I was like, it's been a couple months I had, since I last truly sat there and let God talk to me that way. And it was like, it was embarrassing. I had to be transparent with y'all. That was embarrassing. So, when she said that, I thought about it. And like I said, it's confirmation because this story talks about that same thing and it spoke the same truth right here in this same chapter. God came in a gentle whisper. He didn't come in all the, the ruckus and the things that we expect God to show up in. He showed up in the calm. So verse 13 tells us this. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face 
and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? So I had to ask God, why are you asking him this again? <laughs> and he said, so, so why are you asking the same question twice? I said, and I had to think, has God ever asked us the same question twice? And why do we think he did that? Why do you think he asked us the same question twice, if he ever did? And I had to think, think long and hard. And I came up with something that's still formulating in my mind right now. So, ask yourself that question. Because it plainly shows us God asked that question of Elijah twice. And I was wondering to myself, was it something that had to do with the circumstance between him asking the first time and the second time? And I think I'm going to answer that question with this next verse in 14. He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, tore down your altars, and put your prophets to death. I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Ah, here we go. It puts a little context on it, word on word. We don't go with theories here on Church with a Double Cup. Elijah's answer didn't change, yet God's did. Because the first time he told Elijah he was about to pass by. Now, this second time, God answers with instruction. Check this out. Verse 15 said, the Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hezael, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Maholah, to succeed you as prophet. So, <laughs> check me out. Elijah showed up to Mount Harab, scared of being killed, right? But left with the power to anoint kings and have a successor to continue his work. Oh my goodness, you talk about provision. God needed Elijah to get out his feelings, get his feelings off of him and get back to work. So that's what the prominence was in God asking the same question twice. Elijah's answer didn't change, but God's did. And we see where his no got him. His no basically delivered Elijah a successor. Friends, because he said, I'm the only one left. Now, I'm going to tell you, oh, let's get deep. Verse 17, Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael. And Elisha will put to death anyone who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel. All those knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. So he got 7,000 riders for Elisha. <laughs> when Elijah just prayed to him and said, I'm the only one left, Lord. What am I going to do? And they're trying to kill me too. Because remember, at Mount Carmel, it was 850 to 1. And you're like, all right, you keep saying this big number. Put some word on it, Excel. I'm glad you asked me. That's what I do here. So 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 19. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Assyria who eat at Jezebel's table. There it is right there. 400 plus 450 makes what? 850. 850 to 1. And he was thinking he was so lonely. He was like, I'm the only one left. Not knowing that God has 7,000 riders waiting for him. Had his successor, Elisha, waiting for him, had two kings that he was supposed to go anoint, ready to do battle, waiting for him. So those are the types of things. That's God's provision. If you've ever seen it, this is what his no does. His no secured his future. 
His no secured his purpose. God's no turned into a big yes. <laughs> he was able to continue his work. So that's exactly how he flipped it. And you see it right here. Verse 19. So Elijah went from there, found Elisha, son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? Now, I never fully understood this question when they said that, because in this, in this book, the first Kings, and I was studying, that saying comes up quite a bit. Like, what have I done to you when they say something like that? Like, what? Why? Why would you say that? And was it like, is it like a rebuke? Or was it a call for Elisha to look past Elijah and realize it was God calling him and not Elijah? Not looking at the man who was actually verbalizing the words, but looking at the God that sent the man to help Elisha go into his purpose. Because he was becoming, he was like a successor to a prophet. So that's big deal. You are being selected to be a messenger of God. That's big time. So it never really spells it out in scripture why they say this saying. But those are two things in study that could take into context. So when we look at the 21st verse, it says, So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elisha and became his servant. So there you have it. Chapter 19 of 1 Kings, Elijah getting that no from God. When he asked to just take my life, just kill me off. I don't want to do this no more. I'm tired. For it to come around and reveal his successor. To reveal that he had more reinforcements in earth than he knew. They gave him a purpose and gave him bigger work to do. He was anointing kings now. And it all came and stemmed from God's no, telling him, no, I'm not going to let you die. I'm not going to kill you. I have more work for you to do. Get your feelings off of you and do my bidding. And that's just what it is. So I thank you guys for joining me this month as we went through, like maybe, I think five or six chapters of the November series, Times When God Said No, and we just put it out there for him. I thank you guys for joining me. We're going to do the same thing again next week. I pray you guys peace in your journey. I pray you got something out of this. Share this with somebody. Share with your friends. Share with your enemies. Like I tell you, you can lead them to water, but you can't make them drink. But if they do want some of this living water, take that double cup, separate it, get them a cup, pour them this living water, and let them know we're doing this every week. The doors of the church are open. It's a church with a double cup. I'm none other than your brother, XL Wilbur. Bless. You have just listened to Church with a Double Cup, the podcast, hosted by XL Wilbur. This show was recorded in Wilbur Dome, North Carolina. The theme song is Church with a Double Cup by G Preach. XL Wilbur can be followed on social media outlets, Facebook and Instagram under XL Inspiration and the XL Wilbur YouTube channel. Website soon to come. Thank you for your continued support. Yeah, I'm leaving out the church with my double cup. Yeah, I'm leaving out the church with my double cup. Yeah, I'm leaving out the church with my double cup. Back to Rikers Ave, all my people know what's up.